Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. We're here continuing our series, questions from a rookie pastor, myself, Matt, to the veteran pastor, I'm here. I'm Adam. Adam, Pastor Adam. Yep. I'm the veteran. I'm old. Matt's young. Really not, but yeah. we'll just go with it. Yeah, my little Kurt Warner thing said. <laughs> I know. That was funny. I listened to that episode again yeah, the other day. Be good on that I one. don't remember which one it was. It was like three or four or five episodes ago. I listened to it the other day in the car. It was pretty funny. Yeah, you're making me yeah. want to work on my gray hair. <laughs> get some, I can't get say some much. just for me. Mine stays shaved, so people can't tell. But. Uh, yeah, this is uh, it's been a fun series so yes. far, man. We've done a bunch of them too. Today we're going to do number nine. Yes, yes. question number nine. Question episode number nine. One hundred and five. One hundred and five. Yes. My goodness, man! Time just fly. didn't we just do a hundred episodes? Yeah, Did we, we just celebrate one hundred recently? Yeah, and two lucky people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and got a, we're winners and stuff. And now we're already five more episodes in. That's crazy. Yes. So here's a here's a weird thought for you: five episodes of the podcast is ten percent of the year, right? Because we're doing we, we do a podcast every week mm-hmm. minus about two weeks a year that we'll pause typically at the end of the year for holidays and stuff like that. Take a break. Um, and we may have one pause somewhere else in the year, but typically it's only two. And so five would be 10% of that 50. That's so crazy. crazy. So, so this, yeah, this is number life. nine. I know, right? <laughs> this is number nine uh, in this series where, where Matt, if you haven't listened yet, go back and look. It's all kinds of different questions, but basically Matt is a rookie pastor. Um, now, he's been a Christ follower for a long time, and he's been in ministry um, in volunteer capacities and serving in the church, and just like the majority of you who are going to probably be listening. But there's recently been called, went back to school, transitioned into full-time ministry, and so he is a full-time campus pastor. Um, and he's asking me, who um, just celebrated 23 years of full-time ministry, um, the veteran, some questions. Yes. So I hope that they're helpful to you. I hope they've been helpful to you. I don't know. Um, yeah, they've been good. Yeah, I hope so. If not, oh, well, that's what you get. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've just been talking through stuff. And so uh, I think, once again, I think this helps anybody, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what level of leadership within the church you're at. So if you are a follower of Christ at all, you are called to serve in the body and outside of the body in the world through the body. Um, and all kinds of capacities. And so I think that all these questions, if they apply all across the board. So yes. don't just think, well, I'm not a pastor. Let me turn. You're going to miss on some nuggets because there's some good stuff in this, in these. We I mean, last week alone was very tough. Last yes. week you asked me the question I tried to avoid, which was, you know, would my wife say that I have put her above the ministry? And uh, I just gave you a brutal, honest answer. And so, um, but then also, I've seen the way God's been moving in my life. We talked mm-hmm. about that last week. So, uh, you know, it's a great episode. There's been some really helpful stuff in this. And so, number nine, go go for it, man. What do you I'm, got? Take it easy. I'll be glad when you're done with these questions. <laughs> I think we've got till 12. I think we got 12 of them. Yes. So, uh, a few more oh, nine, <laughs> 10, 11, 12. We got four counting this one. So, all right, go for it. What's your all question? All right, let's go. It says, How have you kept intentional evangelism in your life? How have you kept intentional evangelism in your life? All right, so let's just recap. What we mean by that is most Christians, um, not all, but most Christ followers believe in 
uh, evangelism mm-hmm. in, in sharing and spreading the good news, the gospel, right? Primarily because Jesus told us to. And so yes. um, I, don't know, I, I don't know how Christians that don't believe in evangelism justify it biblically, but regardless. Um, and I think most, most Christ followers also believe in intentional evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's not just, um, well, at some point I'll get put in the right spot. And when that spot's, when I'm put in that spot, then I'll share the gospel and then I might lead somebody. I might not just depends on whatever, you know what I mean? I think most Christ followers believe that we should be intentional about sharing the gospel with people. We should be mm-hmm. praying for opportunities, looking for opportunities, putting ourselves in places where people who don't know Jesus are, yes. where they go, what, you know, it, we should be looking for those ways mm-hmm. um, in, in the culture that we live in. And so I think most people believe that. And so what we're really talking about is that specific, like, I think the question is, you clarify if I'm wrong, but, you know, been in ministry for forever. Yes. How have you made sure that you've, kept, you've been intentional with evangelism? Because here's the danger. The danger in church leadership is that you focus on other people doing these things, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so same thing we'll go back to. We talked about this on this episode too because you asked me about like how have I maintained intentional time reading the Bible and praying. Yes. It's the same thing. So when we get into leadership, we tend to be overly focused on getting other people to do these things. And then we end up or sometimes don't do them ourselves, yes. and we walk around like a hypocrite, but nobody knows it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, so, so I, I'll be I'll be real with you. I think that uh, some of the people that struggle the most with intentional prayer are people in leadership, pastors. Yeah. I think people that struggle sometimes the most with uh, intentional Bible study are pastors. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that people who struggle the most with intentional evangelism are pastors, because because mm-hmm. the danger is is that you're setting up. Um, your church all the time. Like we're always doing something where we are leading people to invite a friend, tell them about this, how to hear to share your faith, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you find yourself not doing it um, because you're so busy helping other people do it that you don't do it. Yeah. And that's a dangerous spot to be in because that's called that's called bankrupt or corrupt moral authority where you don't have the moral authority to tell somebody else to do something, but you're doing it anyway, you know, mm-hmm. and that's dangerous territory, right? Yep. Real dangerous territory. That is, that is how Jesus refers to the church in one of the churches he refers to in Revelation when he talks about you've walked away from, you've lost your first love. Yes. Right? You know what I'm saying? And so you're doing all these good things, but where's your heart? And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing. So um, the reason this question is so important is because if you're in leadership and ministry leadership for a long time, you can get out of intentional evangelism and instead just justify that well I'm doing that through other people and that can't be that can't be the the case we um we teach a um and you've been to one of these I think Matt yeah you have we're about to do some more you're about to teach some yeah um we call the union basics mm-hmm. our church if those of you that listen don't know the church in our context our church is just named union right so that when we say, when we say union basics it's not some cool word union it's the name <laughs> of our church um, and what that is is it's it's the basics of our belief who we are what we do why we do it you know all that kind of stuff and then within that, we're sharing our discipleship strategy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what does a mature follower of Jesus look like? And then how are we as a church helping make disciples, right? Because if you're yes. not making disciples, you ain't a church. Yeah. The church specifically has a charge to make disciples. So if you're not making disciples, you're not a church. You're a country club, you're a hangout club, you're a, you know, a nonprofit, you're a business, you're something. 
but you ain't a church if you're not making disciples. So we'll be sharing that stuff. And one of the things I share in there when we get to this idea of intentional evangelism, we call that found people, find people. Mm-hmm. All right, that's personal evangelism. It's not just something that the church does as a whole. It's something that we all do individually. And one of the things, the, the core thoughts that I say in there is a really short sentence of, I must invest and invite. That means you. That means me. That means the person sitting in the seat who works in the kids' ministry. That means the person sitting in the seat who works at the door. That means the person pushing the buttons in the tech booth. That means the people behind the scenes that are going to listen to this podcast because they're the ones that help put this podcast together. Yes. That means John and Johnny and all those folks that are going to do all this stuff to make us sound better. Um, that means they must invest and invite. And the pastor's mm-hmm. not left out of that. The yeah. people in leadership are not left out of that. I'm, I have to personally invest and invite. And so um, it is a fight to keep it intentional because you can fall into the trap of, I get other people to do that, Mm -hmm. right? And so my job is to help other people do that, and then you won't do it yourself, right? And that is never good because you are entering into corrupt, bankrupt moral authority, which will not work, and God will call it out. The Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit will call it out. And so... um, I have tried my best uh, to keep this quite intentional. And I would say out of all the questions you've asked me, out of all of them, I've been pretty honest on them all. Yeah. And almost all of them I've said I've struggled with. Yes. This has been the one out of all of them that I have not struggled with that much. So I think I do have some significant authority to say that I have kept it for the most part. Now, everybody fails. I've, you know, everybody fails that. But that I have kept intentional evangelism true and important and vital Mm -hmm. core in my life and walk with Jesus outside of being a pastor. Um, And so here's how, here's how I've done that. I think, I don't know for sure. I mean, it's all really the grace of God. Yeah. I just drink some coffee, but um, (laughs) I I think that uh, in looking at this question ahead of time and going back on it, here's how I think I've done it. I think that I have always been willing and open when convicted by the Holy Spirit to pay attention to my view of people, mm-hmm. who people are. That's right? good. Because as a pastor, I'm telling you, there is, there is only like, there's only like one or two things that I know for sure. The first thing I know for sure is that Jesus is a real deal beyond all other things, historically speaking, scientifically speaking, scripturally speaking, personally speaking. It's the only thing I know for sure in this world that Jesus mm-hmm. is a real deal. And one of the other things that I figured out for sure in ministry has been that we all the same people. Yeah. We are all the same person. We all deal with almost the exact same struggles. <coughs> Excuse me. No matter what context we find ourselves in. Yeah. Or where we live. Or what age we are. We all end up struggling with the exact same things. Like I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. Every man listen to this podcast right now, which, by the way, we just started doing some analytics, so it's, it's a lot of women, by the way. A lot of women. A lot of women, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, that every man listen to this podcast, every man in their life is going to struggle with the same three things popping up in different ways over and over and over again. Same three. Money, mm-hmm. sex, yep. or power. Control. Money, sex, or power. It's all the same thing. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and I just picked men to pick on because I am a man. Yep. I don't really have the authority to pick on the women because I'm not really one. But, you know, I mean, it's, so we're all the same. And so I figured out over time that 
we're all the same. And I just keep going back to that. And so my view of people is, I think, what has helped me be intentional about. Because if you can see people for who they really are, then you're much more likely to um, give, give them the value that they are due. Mm-hmm. And then therefore want to serve them like Jesus, want to share Christ with yes. them because you value them. And so that view of people is that they are, that every single person is a masterpiece. Um, let me take you through a progression of scripture, mm-hmm. right? I want to take you through a progression of scripture. Right. I want to show you this. So I'm going to get Matt to help me out. And this is, it's hard to listen to scripture on the podcast. So what you need to do right now is you just need to mark it down and read it for yourself, Right. Because uh, the vast majority of, po- I mean, all podcasts, I think, there's some people that listen on the computer, but the vast majority of people listen on the phone. So you can't really yeah. scroll out of this and listen. You might be able to. Yeah, you can. Like, you can scroll out. It just keeps playing in the car or something yeah. uh, or on the thing, and you can pull up your Bible apps. You might want to do that because you may want to look at it later. It's hard to listen to Scripture on here. But I want you to listen to this pr- progression of Scripture. So let's go all the way back in the very first book of your Bible, right in Genesis verse in, in Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning, right after the fall. Go to verse 27, look what it says. All right, let's do it. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Pre-fall, excuse me. So God created humans, mankind. That's referring to male and female, human beings, in the image of God. So right off the bat, you've got God letting us know that we've been made in the image of God. Would you agree that God himself, God Almighty, um, would qualify as a masterpiece? Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) I mean, the masterpiece of all masterpieces, right? The artist that creates the masterpieces, Mm -hmm. right? The brilliance of the artist that creates the masterpieces, right? So because no, no masterpiece is greater. Jesus says this. No masterpiece is greater than the master that created it. Right? Yep, that's true. Right? So, you know, if you want to look at, if you look at a piece of art or you look at something that you think is an absolute masterpiece, so just take the most famous, the most famous um, painting in the world is the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, that's only one of the ones he did. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Leonardo da Vinci, it wasn't just paintings. It was scientific understandings and drawings and study and i mean this dude was was drawing out and mapping out helicopters years and years and years and years and years before helicopters existed Man, right i mean it's a straight up genius and, and not just not just that but like a, a anatomy of the human body mm-hmm. and all these things right so that's just one that one painting is just one of his so you you would not say that the brilliance of the mona lisa is more than the brilliance of the person that created it yeah so that makes sense. So God, right off the bat, is saying that that He is a masterpiece, and He has made us in His image, which mm-hmm. means that we are made from His ridiculous brilliance, and we are a masterpiece. There's the first piece, right? And so, progress a little further on. I, like, I picked this progression. There's plenty of scripture we could pick, but I just did this to get us to get us um, beginning, middle, and end kind yep. of things, right? So now go like right to the middle of the Bible. It's almost exactly in the middle, by the way. Psalm one thirty nine. This is 13 through 16. Read that, Matt. This is four verses, so it's a little bit more. (laughs) It says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. 
all my days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I mean, just ridiculous. Like, there's so much in that knit together. So this picture of being perfectly, perfectly knitted. Like, think about somebody knitting. That is a time-consuming, ridiculous project, you know. Um, And they are, you're being knitted together in your mother's womb. Formed in the depths of the earth, it says, right? Mm. So even even deeper than mama's belly, right? Like even deeper than your parents, like in the depths of the earth, in in creation itself, and fearfully, wonderfully made. I mean, these images, all my days are set and numbered and purposes are laid out. I mean, it's just this picture of a masterpiece yet mm-hmm. again, right? And then let's go towards almost towards the end of the Bible, and we'll pick up another one where you actually get this masterpiece word. Ephesians 2, 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah, so that translation says handiwork. Some of your translations will say workmanship. Some of your translations will use the word masterpiece. They're all coming from the Greek word in that, in that verse that is poema, which is where we get our phrase poem from, mm-hmm. right? And so... I want you to think about this, that, that and poem is what we end up translating to handiwork, workmanship, masterpiece, meaning that it's been a work of art created by whoever created it. Handiwork mm-hmm. means the same thing. A workmanship means the same thing, right? Think about this. You know, art is a cool thing. Like, so we use the Mona Lisa idea, right? Mm-hmm. You can do Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. You can do any other thing. Um, Rembrandt, whatever you want to pick. But if you go poetry, if you go poems, um, Maya Angelou or, you know, um, I mean, it's just so many. If you go like beautiful, most beautiful poems ever, there's something a little different about the word poem than than a piece of art. Yeah. Because with poems, the author of that poem, the artist that's creating that poem is taking into account every word, every syllable, every punctuation mark, everything. Like, so if you think about the greatest novels that there are, those masterpieces, mm-hmm. like they're great and they're wonderful, but they ain't thinking through every placement of every single word in conjunction. Now, That's lots true. of the words and lots of the big thoughts, and every single stroke of paint on those paintings is not thought through perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like half the time, it's covered up. There's a you know, I cover this part up to make this better and that kind of thing. Right? It's fixed. But when you take a poem. It's every single word, syllable, every syllable mm-hmm. thought out in great detail. And that's who we are. We are God's poem. Mm-hmm. And so I say all that to say, that quick progression, that that's not, those verses aren't just for me and you. Like that's referring to humanity. Mm-hmm. That's referring to every single human being. And so we we're okay with, for the most part, we're okay with. We like to see ourselves as well. I, I'm God's masterpiece. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> God made me in my mama's womb. Like you know, like all those things. Um, but that applies to other people. It applies yes. to everybody. And so, so, so what's helped me keep intentional evangelism at the forefront is seeing people as, as God's masterpiece. That's good. No matter who they are or what they are, what they've done, what they look like, the color of their skin, what they speak, what they like, whatever it may be, that they are, they are a masterpiece. And so when you see somebody like that, when you'll see people like God sees them, 
it changes the game. Mm-hmm. And we take our marching orders from Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus, then you're a follower of Jesus. And you that means that you're literally following him. You're doing what he does, right? That's the good. whole image of disciple, the whole picture of disciple was somebody that is mirroring their teacher, their rabbi, right? Mirroring them. And so like there's a phrase, there was a there was a compliment that was given to disciples in Jesus's time and that compliment was that the disciple walks so close to the rabbi that the dirt and mud from the rabbi gets on them, right? That means how close and in step you are walking. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. so if we get our if we get our our, our marching orders from Jesus. Jesus knew his worth. Yes, like he knew his value. He knew that he was the artist. Mm-hmm. He knew he was the son of God. He knew his place in the Trinity. He knew he was it. Everything, and yet he also serves other people. Serves hum- humans. Yeah. Um, and he he served humans because he saw their worth. So he knew, and he works every. He walks everything perfectly. That's the whole image, right? Yes. So the reason we need Jesus is because he is the perfect Lamb of God, who walks everything we couldn't walk in the perfect way, and purchases righteousness for us and imputes it onto us. And so, yes. and so, he is the exact image of the invisible God, but he's also the exact image of what we are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so he he knows his worth fully, and at the same time, he serves others because he knows their worth fully. That's good. So he knows he's the artist, and he knows he's the masterpiece of all masterpieces, and he knows that every single human being has been made in his image, knit together in his mother's womb, his masterpiece, handiwork, worksmanship. And so he knows this about other people. And so, you know, there's your example. It's you've got to know your worth, and then you've got to know the worth of other people. And you will serve other people. And keep this intentionally in the front when you're constantly reminded and you remind yourself over and over and over again that every single human being has worth, dignity, extreme value, mm-hmm. right? Extreme value. You can't even calculate the valuable, the, the value of it. I mean, like the va- your value is the price of God's son. Mm. How much is the life of your son worth? Mine. I mean, to you, like (laughs) if I told you right now (laughs) that I needed you to take every single thing you owned, right? I mean, every stitch of clothes, everything in the house and everything you own and sell it all. And that's what would pay to keep your child alive. Would you do it? Oh, yeah. Definitely. In a heartbeat. Yeah, in right? a heartbeat. I mean, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I'd <laughs> steal somebody else's stuff and sell it, too. You yep. know what I mean? Like, it, that's the whole point mm-hmm. is that, you know, if if we have, if our children have that level of value to us, then we know that God, you know, he, he basic, I mean, his son is what paid for us. Yes. And so you've got to keep this high, high value of people. And if you'll keep a high value of people, you will absolutely – Remember that they matter, that they care, and they desperately need a relationship with their father. They desperately need Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And you'll love them and you'll honor them and you'll want to share that with them in in all kinds of ways. And so you'll do that verbally, Mm -hmm. but you also do that with your actions. You also do that with your attitude. Because evangelism, don't miss this, evangelism is not you speak the gospel. You speak it, you share it, you live it. 
You know what I mean? You have the attitude of the gospel. All that's involved in evangelism, too, towards people being the masterpieces that they really are. That's the key. Yeah. And and that's just something that God has, has for the most part, I mean, like I told you before, I've done pretty well at this. So for the most part, it's always been in the forefront of my mind. I'm constantly going back to it. So when I see somebody that, you know, is hurting or whatever, I, I want to see them like God sees them. Or yeah. when I see somebody who is ridiculously wrong and annoying. Mm-hmm. and That's the hardest. And, and, and I have to push myself back mm-hmm. to they are still, even though they're wrong and even though they're mean, even though they're hateful, even though they've done heinous, heinous sins and crimes, they are still a masterpiece. Yes. That is still what's in them because they've been cut from the cloth of the artist. They've been cut from the cloth of the master. They are a masterpiece, and I have to see them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, too, another thing here is that <clears throat> another thing that will help, it helps me, you know, care for and love people and view them in this way is that Jesus' harshest words when he was on this earth, his absolute harshest, toughest language was towards uh, people like me and you, Matt. It was oh. towards people who um, were religious and been in, you know, understood and knew better and was in the family of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? Like for a long time, yes. right? His harshest words were for us. They were not for the people that need intentional evangelism, the people mm-hmm. that are outside of the family of God. They weren't for those people. His harshest words were for us. Mm. Um, and that'll keep you real humble, too, and yes. realize that, well, wait a minute, Jesus is over here just tearing up the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and those people that we could become very easily. Mm-hmm. And then he was over here dining and eating with the people that they hated and that yeah. they weren't intentional about bringing into the family of God. I Man, mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that'll get you real quick. That, Reality you check. start thinking about that, and then yeah. you'll go, well, I have to follow Jesus' lead, yes. you know? And so if you look at Jesus' example, he knows his worth. There is no question. He is never, ever, through the entirety of the Gospels, read through them, he never doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And yet he starts serving humanity the entire time, which means he knows, too, fully their worth and their value as well. And that's what we have to push into. That's good. Right. That, so that, that's been the – to me, that's been something that has – I don't want to say it's come easy to me. I'm just saying, like, we all have things that we struggle with in our faith. This is one that has not been that much of a struggle for me. Yeah. And, uh, and I think a lot of this roots back to, you know, always leaning into who Jesus really is, looking at, looking at Jesus, look directly at Jesus, and then also the example that my family set. Yeah, you know, like my dad set this example pretty mm-hmm. high. Yeah, um, I would agree. My my dad set this example really, really high. Like he, I mean, I never remember a time as a kid, um, ever, where my dad belittled a human being to their face or behind their back, or made somebody feel like they were less than, or looked down his nose, or whatever. Even if there were dra- drastic differences between us and them or in our beliefs or whatever it may be, like even the people that were mean and rude to him and nasty to him, you know, um, 
it never did it. And so I think that that helps me have a foundation to be able to do that. You know, so mm-hmm. if you grew up in a, if you grew up in a household where there was a lot of racism or, um, derogatory talk against a people group or type of person or a sex of person or whatever it may have been, or, um, there was some superiority of we're better than these people implied or direct you may struggle with this, yeah, that's true. you know, because it's sort of kind of been baked into you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thankfully, thank God I, that wasn't the case in my household. So anyway, I hope it helps. Yeah, this is great, man. Um, I, I like this episode. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a lot better than that last question you asked <laughs> yeah. me. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So everybody just be in prayer about that. I think just stop right now, no matter where you're at with this and just, just kind of pause and take a, take a break. Like here's your prayer for today, you know? Maybe you've been struggling with prayer too. Here you go. Here's your prayer. Stop for yes. a minute and pray, God. God, help me see myself as the masterpiece you've created me to be and help me see other people as the masterpiece you've created me to be. And if there's a particular person in your mind right now that you're really struggling with or a group of people, because there's going to be a bunch of you listening who are crazy conservative you know <laughs> politic people and you're losing your mind and you're always mad at the democrats or whatever or there's some democrats listening and you're a little crazy liberal person and you're over here always mad at the conservative people that's the people you should probably stop and pray for right now yep. so let's stop and pray and say god help me see those people as the masterpieces you made them to be mm-hmm. and that will that right there will help you with actually being intentional in evangelizing. Yes, I agree. So much more than me sitting here going, well, the way I've been intentional in evangelism is I always carry some Bible tracts in my pocket. And, <laughs> you know, I'm always looking for a way or conversation, a way to share my story with Jesus. I mean, all that stuff's great and it works yeah, and it all, really but what really is going to work to make it intentional um, and natural is a high view of people like God has of those people. Yeah. So anyway. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been uh, number nine in our series, Questions from a Rookie Pastor to a Veteran Pastor. Number, what did you say it was? 105. 105. So we'll be back next week with 106. One more question. we got three more questions left in the series. Mm -hmm. This has been good. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.